Welcome back to the Max Effort Kitchen Podcast. We got a great segment for you. It's called The Athlete and the Chef. So sit back, relax, and let's go. Kitchen. I'm your host, Chef Matt, joined with my good friend and co-host, Mr. Cornell George. How you doing? I am doing great. I am beat to hell, but I'm good. How about you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing the same. Like I was telling you uh, pre, pre-show pre here, I think I cried on my last set of squats because <laughs> eight, eight reps. Okay, so it said, and I, I probably did this wrong, um, but the RPE how it has the numbers. Mm-hmm. I just took that as like, if it was an RPE of 60 and this is probably sacrilege, but, or maybe not, um, RPE of, of six, I just did 60%. RPE of seven, I did 70%. And then okay. RPE of eight and I did 80%. I don't yeah, know if that's yeah. right or not, <laughs> but it hurt. So I look at it as a six is supposed to not feel heavy. A seven is supposed to be medium. An eight is supposed to be like, that's pretty heavy. A nine, it's like, you better make it. And I'm I'm not a big fan of RPE because I don't think that people really know what they're capable of. Right, Um, right. I think that people are capable, they're either capable of a lot more than they think they are, or they're capable of a lot less than they think they are. Yeah, I think it kind of depends. When you leave it up to being subjective to me, uh, at the end of my workout, I'm like, (laughs) this could go either way. I could either just bury myself or (laughs) I won't do enough. So I don't know. I mean, I I ended my last set of eight at, what was it, one... Uh, 152, which is about 80%, maybe a little bit more than 80%, but, um, it was enough to be heavy at, at eight reps at the end of my session. And for those of you who don't know, and this is by no means a selfish plug by any means. Um, I've joined the, uh, strength tank programming. I am a remote athlete. Um, are they, are they an official team or is it just Kind yes. Of yes. Yeah. They are official USAW team. There uh, we go. They are. I'll tell you, it's um, it's refreshing, and I think that I've said this a lot to Cornell, so he's probably like, "Yeah, I've heard that." Um, and I say it to all my other friends, but I'm I'm getting strong, and I feel it, and I haven't even lifted over seventy percent yet, and it is awesome. I'm walking away from these sessions uh, feeling like almost feeling like um, I'm just starting weightlifting, but I, I still have a base under me, but like, this is, this is, this is going to, I can't wait to peek on this. I cannot wait. No, it's real fun. I've, I'm about six weeks into the, we're doing like a 12 or 13, no, I think 12 or 14 week cycle. It was kind of up in the air a little bit, just based on when this competition that we're doing is. Uh, but the first four weeks I was tripling 90% in the snatch. Wow. Wow. So, and the the first week, I was not. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, Also, we were doing a clean front squat jerk, and I made an attempt on the fourth week at a PR clean and jerk with a front squat in it. Wow. Didn't You so, made it, though, didn't you? 
I remember seeing I didn't that make video. The, I didn't make the jerk. Okay. I locked it out. It was a little bit in front of me, but it was also a weight that I don't want to mess around with. It wasn't something that I needed. Um, I'll, I'll do it on the competition. Yeah. I mean, the goal is for that, that attempt, that number to be the second lift. So nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I just think it's, uh, we talked about programming last time and it just, uh, it really hit the spot at the right time. And if you're looking for some good programming out there, uh, definitely reach out to these people because they know what they're doing. And you can see it. Go to their Instagram. I mean, like I said, this is not a plug at all. I'm just, I just like, talk, like talking about the things that uh, work. And so far, yeah. from what I've seen with you and what I'm feeling, it works. Um, cool. We got a fun show today. We'd, uh, we did a, put out a little thing about uh, Q&A, asking some questions. And you sounds like you got a handful of questions and I got a handful of questions. And uh, there's going to be some there's some funny ones. There's some, there's a spicy one in here. And, uh, then there's some pretty good, you know, just overall advice things. So you want to kick it off? Sure. I'll just, this is, we'll just get this one out of the way first. Uh, asking about to dumb down the USAW, uh, I M W a drama for those who are struggling (laughs) to keep up. Uh, we're going to talk about that more in depth probably next week. Uh, I have listened to the two-hour, uh, not rebuttal, but the the open forum done by the international or the masters weightlifting, the Coens, uh, and their corporation of people and people who put on all the masters meets. Um, I'm going to listen to it again, and then I'll listen to the USAW's like. I don't even know how to how to say it, but the post they made with the five the five minute um, thing that they posted. Yeah, I think uh, that's a good plan because like there's a lot of information out there, and you know it, it seems like the more time goes on, the more information is being released. Um, I want to watch the same um, the forum thing that you were talking about. I've started it, um, but it it's a lot to process, and I yeah I just I love, we're gonna we're gonna break that down next week. And it'll be a, yeah. it'll be a good show. It's a lot. What I did is I just kind of turned it on kind of like if I was listening to a podcast, I didn't sit there and watch it. Um, but I want to listen to it again. Yeah. So. Yeah, totally. Well, I had one person ask kind of the same question. So that goes towards that. Um, I'm going to start off with a spicy one. All right. This person asked to stay anonymous <laughs> and they said, can I be a weightlifter if my spouse does not support me? Ooh. So, <laughs> Um, I know the person who asked this, but they said, I want to stay anonymous. So we're going to keep it that way. And this is a very touchy subject in a way, because I think, um, any sport you do takes a level of commitment. And my biased opinion is weightlifting takes an extra level of commitment. Um, I actually (laughs) was having a conversation with my wife tonight about, marriage. And I'm like, marriage is a lot like weightlifting. And I swear to God, the look she gave me, she was throwing (laughs) daggers at me, but I was, it was like, if you don't put the work in every day, it just ain't worth your time. And that's kind of where I was going with that. That was a whole nother conversation. But, um, I've had it on both sides where, you know, when I was doing CrossFit, Alana did not support it. She didn't like CrossFit. She didn't like me doing it. And I, you know, well, she had her reasons. Once I joined weightlifting, um, 
the difference between being supported and not being supported is um, night and day, in my opinion. If that, that person, because weightlifting takes so much time, and it does, it takes time. You have to put time in the, in the gym. Sometimes that means being away from the house. Sometimes that doesn't. You got kids. Sometimes that means you need to you know, separate yourself from the kids if you have a garage gym. Um, but I think, personally, you can be a weightlifter. You just may not be a very good weightlifter. And it, it's, you have to have support around you to, in order to be able to put the time in the, the, that is needed. And the, the money and the traveling. And it's, it's very important that, you, that you know, there is a, a level of support from your spouse on pretty much anything you do in life, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I think I work better when I have her support. That's my personal thing. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been doing this a long time. There's been times where I have definitely been supported, and there's been times where I've had to pull back because I've put too much of myself into this. And I think that the big thing is remember that your spouse <laughs> – I don't, I don't know who this person is, but your spouse needs to come before your sport. Um, but by doing that, it doesn't mean you can't do that. It just means don't go – Don't when I say don't go all in, I mean don't go like I'm going to be at the gym every evening from 5 to 9 and not come home. And then I'm going to only watch weightlifting and I'm going to go on a super strict weightlifting diet and I'm going to go to camps every single weekend. Like, like don't go, don't be an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Balance. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it, yeah, it's balance. It's not, and it's not weightlifting. It's, it's your hobby. Yeah. So one of the things that I do believe is different between weightlifting and other hobbies, like a lot of people, their hobby is snowboarding or their hobby is surfing or whatever it could be. Those are much more seasonal hobbies. Yeah. So spouses will allow or understand a little bit more if you're pushing a little bit more and gone a little bit more because it's a certain season of time. Uh, weightlifting is something where you can do it all year long, but you have to also keep in mind that you can do this all year long. So if I miss a session, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're you're really onto something, and this is a good question, especially uh, especially towards masters, because we're generally, um, you know, when you're in your 20s, you can go full force. You probably don't have a spouse. You may have a girlfriend, um, but maybe you don't, or a boyfriend. You might, but you don't have a spouse, generally speaking. But um, for people in our age range and what we're doing in the masters division, most likely we have families. Some you know, maybe some don't, but what I'm trying to get at is that like. You know, I, I have a golden rule in my life. Family always comes first. It comes before work, but there are, and you and I have had this conversation. It <laughs> comes, bef family comes before everything, but there are situational things. And the way, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but the way that I like to say, to look at it is I like to be a little bit of a magician. So if I'm going to take something away from my family to focus on weightlifting, I'm going to give something back to them either prior to or afterwards. For instance, 
go into the camp, you know, go into a, a weightlifting camp. I generally will say, cool, why don't, Alana, why don't you grab the kids, meet me at X, Y, and Z, like, you know, wherever we're at, and we'll go get an Airbnb for the next five days after the camp. That way we can spend some good quality time together. But it's, it's about finding that balance of like being available and open for your family and your wife and your spouse, but also focusing on weightlifting and doing what you're, you know, what you're putting out to do, which is your goals. And Cornell, you said it best. This is a hobby. We can't let hobbies take over, but at the same point, you got to do stuff for yourself. So you got to have a a, a good balance. Like it's just a teeter totter. That's what it is. Sure. I think the other thing, I don't know who, again, who Mr. Anonymous is, but depending (laughs) on how long you've been married. Yeah. Uh, when I was first married, I had, I, I've, I've kind of gone, I, I, I don't want to say all in, but I've gone very far in on many different hobbies in the 18 years I've been married. Yeah. Uh, I got into Harley Davidson's for a while. I got into building some bikes for a while. I was snowboarding. I was wakeboarding, um, whole, all kinds of extreme sports. Right. Um, and So there's always kind of something there. And there hasn't been that many things that I've done with my wife because I kind of have the personality where I can, I don't want to just, I don't, I don't enjoy resting. Yeah. If that makes sense. She really, she really, and she's a teacher. She enjoys getting home and watching something on TV or just like hanging out, chilling, doing non- strenuous things and i work construction and then i'm ready to go and work harder after (laughs) i know isn't that weird Um, (laughs) yeah same way so in the beginning when we were married there was a lot more stuff that we did together but then as we've been married longer and longer she has stuff that she enjoys doing that i don't like doing and there's and vice versa yeah i give her time and i make sure that i can watch the kids or i can do whatever she needs so that she has time to do the stuff that she wants and it's not just about me being gone all the time right you know and doing like my sport that that's a really good point and i like that is that as you get older in your marriage it's just like you you have an understanding and it's important to take care of yourselves i think the last thing i'll say about this is um something that i've i've actually done with weightlifting is I've incorporated my wife into weightlifting, which you got a little taste of because she, you know, ran kind of ran my cards at the last meet. Um, she enjoys being a part of, you know, any types of videos or the Max Effort Kitchen stuff that I'm doing. Um, a lot of the times I'll just have her like in the garage. I'll have her come out and sit on the couch and just talk to me. And we, you know, that's we, we just talk talk shit to each other or whatever. And and I lift weights and. Um, she enjoys that. She, she enjoys being a part of it. So if, if your spouse is someone that enjoys actual, enjoys the sport or maybe wants to maybe be a part of it, get them involved, you know, teach them how to count cards, teach them how to run a clock, teach them, you know, how to load your bar and not to say that you're, you know, they should do that, but you never know. They might have fun with it. So I think, I think we hit on that pretty good, right? Yeah. Cool. One of the other parts that I did real quick is there's a couple times where I've kind of pulled away from things and then I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm here. What are we <laughs> going to go do? And I'm, I'm real annoying, not necessarily on purpose, but I'm like, I'm not just going to sit around and 
Yeah. Like watch a movie. Yeah. No kidding. Right. <laughs> like we, we got to go do something. You want me, you want me to be around more? I, we got to go do something. <laughs> and then yeah. she's like, yeah, go do your thing. Yeah. Go get, get out, <laughs> get out of here. Go lift. Yeah. I like that. A little reverse psychology. Um, cool. What's uh, what question you got? I had someone ask when we're going to do, uh, uh, people's gym. That's my garage gym meetup lifting session. Uh, I lift here. I have it available for anyone who wants to come over and lift every Tuesday and Thursday from about five to 8 PM. Yeah. And- so it's free. It's lots of weights. It's currently happening. Uh, there's some things that are potentially in store that I might be getting rid of a lot of equipment, but, oh. Oh. uh, we'll touch on that more later when things are a little bit more clear, but okay. I will always have a squat rack, a platform and at least three sets of weights nice. and men's and women's bars. But I'm not going to during the lockdowns and everything. I had a lot of stuff and a lot of room and it got used a lot yeah. and it's not getting used nearly as much anymore. So, yeah, I, I mean, especially since you're, you're start, you're part of the, the strength tank and like, that's your, that's like your community. That's your, the people that you lift around totally makes sense. I get it. All right. Um, let's see. Next question. This was from, uh, C Murph four, seven, one, one. He says do's and don'ts of warming up before the main lifts. I feel like I just listened to a podcast that talked about this. I did um, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, I think this is a very indiv- individualized thing. I think that, um, and pr- they said this on that podcast too, but like, you know, my main thing is I'm warming up in the positions that I'm going to be hitting. Um, I'm trying to hit all three different positions in the snatch, warming up my shoulders, warming up my knees. You taught me a fantastic warm up that I still do to this day, which is, when I, I put the bar on my back with a snatch grip and I'll do a squat. And as I'm going up, I push it up into the snatch and I drop down into overhead squat and I bring it down. I do like 10 of those that really gets the blood moving. I'll usually go on a walk before I even hit the platform. It's like a 10 minute walk. Nothing. The main thing for me is just getting the blood moving, you know, get the positions, sure. get the blood moving, you know, open up your joints if it's an extra spicy day, I'll probably like douse my body in tiger bomb. But other than that, that's not it. I, I never thought about that much because you do a lot of lifting in your garage to just go for a walk. Yeah. Be like, I'm going to, I'm going to go out my front door. I'm going to walk for 10 minutes. I'm going to come in the garage. It's yeah. like now you're going to the gym instead of just, you walk out that garage door and you're there. And exactly. we've talked about that. Where yeah. That's, that's rough. Yep. Uh, I live about 22 minutes away from the gym. I get in the car and I turn the seat heater on and it starts warming me up. (laughs) My back feels normally pretty good by then. I also take my Tylenol before I leave for the gym. So it's about a half hour before I get there and then it kicks in. Um, Something – so – the the other show that we listened to, they put a question and answer like, "How much time do you spend warming up?" Yeah, and I I think I I answered wrong. Interesting. I okay. I said I said thirty minutes. Okay. But 
when I the more I thought about it is I'm not warming up for 30 minutes. That's 30 minutes after I get to the gym, I've got my shoes on, I'm I'm ready to go. Right. I don't really do too much warm up. I'm not one of those people who throws the bands on and does the little no. crab walks and does all that kind of stuff. I'll do some pass-throughs. I'll do some overhead squats with the PVC pipe. I'll do a little bit of pigeon stretch or couch stretch, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, after that, it's all on the bar. And it's – you've seen me snatch 50, 50 times. <laughs> yes, I have. Been a part of that uh, one. <laughs> 50 for me is what I consider an empty bar. It's It's light enough that I don't have to warm up at all, but it's heavy enough – that it will help me get into position yep. and it's the bar is set at the right height and I don't have any issue dropping yellow weights. Okay. Uh, some of the, I like to do a, I don't do it all the time, but I've, I've worked up to like two minutes plus with 50 to 60 kilos on the bar in yep. overhead squat position. Um, another thing that opens up the hips good is while you're down there, like that works really well, but Every 30 seconds, take three steps forward, three steps back in the bottom of the position and then side to side. Yeah. I like that. You know, I mean, and that's why I really, it's, it's, it's hard to say a blanket statement on what you should do because it's your body and you're going to know what you need and everybody's joints and bodies and parts move a lot differently. Um, but just build a, build a system and then do it. You know, that, that's basically what I have to say is just build your own system and then do it. But just give yourself time, work on the positions, get an empty barbell out, like, and just, you know, become a weightlifter. You know, something that I've been thinking about a lot, um, especially in this new program is like, you know, prior to this program, I would always start empty bar and then 40 and then 50 and then 60 and then 70. And then I got to my working set. So that's. To me, that's kind of, that's my warming up is like getting my body used to weight, underweight, a little bit, a little bit heavier weight, a little bit heavier weight, a little bit heavier weight. And by the time I hit that working set, I'm warm. I'm ready to go. I'm sweating. Everything's good. I think another thing just to keep in mind is every day can be different. Yeah. And there's going to be certain days where it doesn't matter how how much you warm up, you're not going to be warm. It's just going to be a bad day <laughs> and oh, just accept worst. it yeah. and just try to make the best of it. <laughs> and then there's going to be other days where you barely do anything and it's an amazing day. <laughs> and yeah, if you, if you have time, uh, I, I think we've talked about this, but I don't remember. Uh, if I'm competing, I do a double day. Oh. I almost always do a double day when I compete. Interesting. But my, my first session of the day is going to be all my normal warmups, all the fifties that I would normally do. And then I'll go and I'll hit 70 in the snatch and 70 in the clean jerk. Um, and that's how I would, I generally would do like big max out days okay. in the past. Okay. Cause I'd come in around lunchtime and I would, I'd hit that session. Yeah. And then now I think you've seen where I'll do a, I'll max out my muscle snatch about an hour and a half, two hours yeah. before um, my session. Yeah. So that's, I like that. That's, and, and that is very specific to you. Um, I think, uh, yeah, no, I think that's great. That, that man, I just think, uh, warming up is so individualistic and it does, you just got to listen to your body regardless of what people say. Yeah. yeah. And if you can hit that, like 
not like a full double day, but kind of like a mini double day where you, you do a session that doesn't have to be that heavy. Yeah. And then you have an hour off when you come back, you don't really need anything. Like yeah. when, when I hit that, uh, 152 snatch, I was in the gym from the bar to 152 is 17 minutes. Wow. And I walked into the gym and I claimed a platform and started. Just went. But I also did a session that finished about an hour before. I rode in the car. I had the seat heater on. Nice. Um, it was about a 70, 75% session. And then I got to the gym and got a phone call that I had to leave. And I was like, give me 20 minutes. And <laughs> I cranked out a lifetime PR. So. <laughs> Always on the most sporadic, un, unaware times, those, that thing. I love those stories. Those are great. All right. Well, uh, let's see. You're next. Uh, this is from my friend Ray Lynn. Her Instagram is Ray, uh, Ray, Ray. Oh, sorry. Raina. Sorry, not Ray Lynn. I have another friend named Ray Lynn. Uh, Raina lifts. Uh, how has changing or sorry. How has training changed over the years and into a master weightlifter? Ooh. So I think we've, we just talked about a lot of that. Yep. But I think for me, I didn't start too long before I was a master. Yeah. Um, I really started touching a bar around 31 years old. I started competing at 33. So, and then at 34, you're qualifying for masters. So I was, I, I've all, I haven't always been a master, but for the most part, my weightlifting career, I have been a master. Yeah. Uh, but what I have learned is that there's a phrase that was told to me a long time ago and it's, you're, you can either lift a lot when you're young or lift a lot when you're old. You can't do both. <laughs> and <laughs> um, then I've also had other people say to me, like, oh, I wish I wish I could have seen you lift when you were in your 20s. And I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. I wouldn't be lifting now because right. now I'm <laughs> exactly. now I'm smarter. Now I understand that, like, maybe I shouldn't take that last rep. Maybe like today I was going to go for a heavy triple and I ended up just hitting one. Uh, before I unracked it, I said to myself, I'm going to really just go for two. I don't think I'm capable of three on this weight, but I'm just, and then I, I stood it up and I was like, I might be able to get a second one out of it, but it's going to take so much more out of me that I won't be able to recover from this by the time I'm training on Wednesday. Yeah. So, hmm. uh, I think that it just lifting longer, you're going to become more mature. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's that's that, that is absolutely the hope. I started as a master's lifter. I started when I was thirty six, and um, I remember looking at a gentleman that was in the CrossFit gym that I was running, and his name—I don't remember his last name. His first name was Jim. He was sixty three years old, and he was back there snatching and clean jerking. And I went back there and I started talking to him, and he was just doing—he was just like a drop in. Um, he was like, ah, "I'm just dropping in for the day." I'm in town and I'm, you know, getting ready for a national meet. And so I'm talking to him and I didn't know much about weightlifting this time, but for the, for the, that entire week, he, he came every day and he did the same thing and I watched him do it. 
And I remember saying to myself, like, I want to do that when I'm that age, you know? <laughs> and at that point I was heavily into CrossFit and I was, you know, I just wanted to do it all. But, um, as I'm learning and as I'm, um, evolving as a lifter, as a, uh, and I don't, you know, I just think as a lifter, I know in the technical term, I'm a master's lifter, but as, as I'm evolving, I still have the same, um, outlook, which is I want to do this for a long time. I want to do this until I can't. And so what, what you're saying is like, so I guess my, my thought philosophy has changed based off of wanting to keep it in my life for a long time. And I want to lift when I'm 70 years old. Like that's just a goal, right? But if, if you're not lifting smart now, you, you, just like you said, you can't do both. I'm not going to be able to do that. And so the way it's evolved was I've gotten smarter. Um, I am not just listening to everything out there. I'm probably overanalyzing it a lot, but that's kind of my brain working defense for me. Um, but it's just, it, it's gotten smarter. My lifting has gotten smarter. Um, putting myself around the right people, putting myself in the right programs, um, keeping myself positive. And that's a big thing is because I think that in this world of weightlifting, we can get sucked into the negative crap that, that goes, that swirls around it. And you got to really look at something and say, is the negativity worth it? Because negativity will get spit you right out of a sport or spit you right out of anything in life really. But, um, my, one of my biggest things, and especially of this year is I made a change to become positive in this sport because I want to do it for a long time. And that's really all there is to it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, another little part about that I think is very important to hear is we're a couple of old guys talking to people. (laughs) I mean, um, (laughs) and so much of the content that is put out there and the mindset that is put out there for being a a weightlifter is coming from these people that are 22 to 28 years old who haven't, they don't understand what it's like to be 40. They don't understand what it's like to have 40-year-old joints and a a family and a mortgage and all of these other things and life stresses. Um, I used to listen to this podcast all the time, and the guy would just be like, you never need to warm up. You never need to stretch. You just need to go out there and just give it your all and do everything that you're doing. And as that guy has gotten older, it's like, oh, yeah go do this yoga thing online and go do all this stretching. And, and, but I was 30, 32 years old listening to this guy going like, I don't need to do any of this stuff. I just need (laughs) to go out there and, and put everything into it. Yeah. And then as I got hurt and older and I realized I need to get massages and I need to go to the chiropractor and I need to learn how to use, cup cupping machines and cup like the cups and the scrapers and the ointments and the, (laughs) um, (laughs) there's so much stuff that you kind of have to learn. And I, I, I'm very blessed in like for my, my work and everything and the income that I can make that I can afford to go get 
a massage every week or every other week if I want to. I can afford to buy some of the recovery tools that are needed. Uh, and I know a lot of younger people, they don't have that established career yet so that they can't afford to go out and do a lot of that stuff. They can sure afford Starbucks all the time. but <laughs> Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, Amazon is um, the golden nugget. And I know there's people out there, at least – there's people out there that I know that are so hard against Amazon, but I'm telling you, I, I found a scraper on Amazon, the, the little cupping thing for like under $40 and it's great. I mean, um, you know, the ointments, you can get them all on Amazon. Um, yeah. it's, the stuff's not that expensive, but it's apps. I have a, what I call the, my first aid kit that sits in a little drawer out in my gym and it's like it has all of this stuff in there. The you know the the thero gun, the the cupping, the I, I have a little floss thing in there that I that I rarely use. So I should probably use that more. But um, that's one thing. You know what Cornell's talking about is like really taking care of your body outside of the platform because it's necessary, hundred percent necessary. Yeah, it. I remember hearing something that it anyone can work out really hard for an hour. But it's the other 23 hours that will affect that hour of working out. Yep. Yep. And the one thing that we all have, I'm going to say we most of us all have the most control on is our sleep. And I'm going to, you know, Mm -hmm. preach that to the day (laughs) until I die. Like your sleep is your best source of recovery. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's see. I got a question from Damon. It says... Uh, I've been inconsistent for the past five months. I'm starting a new program. What numbers should I base my percentage on in this new program? I'm going to let right. you take this one. I'm going to take this one because I am friends with his programmer. Yep. And I know I've gone through some of her programs and I understand her philosophy. Damon, you need to go off of whatever you have hit your best numbers ever. There you go. Uh, the Somebody who is bringing on a new athlete or you are starting a new cycle at the, the first week it is being available. There should not be anything that you can't lift in the next four to five weeks. And if you're going to be consistent in the next four to five weeks and it starts pushing 80, 85%, you're going to be okay by then because the beginning of a cycle is supposed to be like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get a bunch of reps and we're going to build that base. We're going to make you comfortable making these lifts at the lighter weights. And it's not going to be just like push the max, max out, max out, max out. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't hit anything that I want to hit. And I know that I used to hit this, but it's going to, it's going to be appropriate because I know the program that you're on. So you're going to be in good shape. Yeah, I, I can attest to that. I am using my all time numbers as my uh, working maxes. And it's just, I, if I haven't put anything over, like, uh, I don't think I've put anything over 79 kilos on the bar. <laughs> and <laughs> it's still tearing me up because of the amount of volume and just what, and I think that's a thoughtful approach because I see what she's doing as far as like, you know, just like anything else, 
you got to ease into a program. You got to start small, build that base, and then you can put on more weight, build that base. And then we talked about this last time. You can't just start hitting 90% on the first week and you're, and you're not going to Damon, I promise you that, but you're going to feel like you did. Yeah. And like we talked a little bit on the RPE stuff for the squats, pretty much all the squats are always going to be based on how you feel. Yeah. So like, I just like the medium, heavier, heavy mindset of six, seven, and eight. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean it's an actual six. It doesn't mean it's an actual eight. Yeah. But just kind of look at it like I'm going to build to a, a an, e- an easier set of triples, yeah. but I'm going to hit them all at that same weight. Yeah. And then if you see that like three sets at a six, two sets at a seven, one set at an eight, then you kind of know that last set should be a little heavier. Yeah, I like that. That was good. That was really good. All right, what you got? All right, this is from Brighton Green. Actually, he's got two of them here. Uh, dream garage gym setup, which plates, bars, racks, etc. De- gym decor, uh, Elico everything. Rogue sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I second that. Alico everything. Um, and the thickest concrete I could possibly pour. If if you don't have – if okay, if you are renting a house or you don't have a good platform, try to find some crumb bumper plates. Oh. Uh, if you can get them in kilo because uh, you're a weightlifter, go for those. You are much safer with your concrete with no platform because the plates themselves are the exact same thing that you would be dropping your weights on. Oh, so I see uh, that that's what they're really good for. Yeah, um, yeah. Also, you generally can't squat more than four plates because uh, they don't have room on the bar. <laughs> uh, so you can easily just like have a max set of weight you can squat because you just can't go any heavier. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, or you could just use iron plates for squatting. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. That yeah. I, you don't. I, you probably shouldn't have to bail out of too many squats, but um, yeah, uh, bumper or wait, no, you said crumb bumper. The cr- the crumb bumpers plates. are cheap. Yeah, if you can, like for your garage, if you have a, I, I mean, I've got uh, are a. You, are you selling a set? I have uh, five sets. Yeah. If anyone's six sets, if anyone's looking for them. Um, I have an Alico platform that I don't get to use, unfortunately, because I didn't understand the size when I bought it and it was wider than it was long. So that current one is set up for the short people that lift in the garage. Um, <laughs> but hopefully in the next. Three to 15 months, this will be my platform. So nice. Uh, but it's an inch and a half of that same crumb bumper or crumb that the bumper plates are made of. Yeah. And if you can't get something like that, then I would recommend getting the crumb bumper plates. But I would get a Lico barbell. Um, They will lifetime guarantee it. And you won't need to have, you won't need to warranty anything because it's going to last a lifetime. Compared to a lot, a lot of these rogues, they will, they'll warranty them, but they're just going to keep sending you bars because they keep breaking. Yeah. You know, um, 
I got to be honest and say I love my setup. Uh, I absolutely love my setup. Only thing I would change out are the uh, the plates, and like, and it would be all Alico and the barbells. But like, I it's hard because you you grow so fond to the stuff you use every single day that it's like that kind of is my dream set because mm-hmm. it has to be, or else I'm you know you, there's a relationship there, and you got to like your stuff. And if you don't like it, and also. Go, I was going to say, don't go buy new stuff. No. But set all the alerts on your Facebook marketplace, on your offer up, on Craigslist, and always be ready to buy it, but never be like, I need to buy it now. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's lots of stuff on Facebook. Like, I, so for instance, I was lifting the other day and I had this like 14 year old kid walk up and he goes, Hey man, can I ask you some questions? And I'm like, yeah, come on in. And, um, you know, I have the garage door open and he goes, where did you get all the weights and like the, the squat rack and everything? And I told him, I said, I got it. I think I got pretty much everything here. Um, uh, all on Facebook marketplace or offer up, uh, except for my reds, my reds are from rep fitness and I got a great deal on them. So, but don't go out and buy brand new stuff. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't know. So, okay. You got another one? Yeah. <laughs> I got some fun. I got a funny one. Uh, from Nicole, she says, if there was a song that played every time you walked into the room, what would it be? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, the, Yeah. Go ahead. The gym or, the yeah, gym or yeah, just yeah, any yeah. room I, in general? I, I don't know. Or? I think they're speaking of, they just said in, in the room. Um, this is a, for, for reference, this is a non-weightlifter. So I don't think she meant, uh, necessarily the gym, but if let, let's, let's, uh, move it a little bit and say, if you were to walk in the gym every time, what song would be playing? What's your theme song? I don't know. Right. When I walk in, it's always like, what's going on? <laughs> I, I feel like the, the per, if it, if it was like the whole song, I don't know how long the song would be, but if it was like a sound bite, Yeah. It would be like something out of Wizard of Oz, where it's like, and I'm like, all right, here we go. Oh, I love that. I don't know why I keep thinking like the Hell's Bells from ACDC. Like just just the beginning, the bells. Like when I walk in a room, I for some reason I would hear that. I don't even listen to that song very often, so it's like, but that's what came to mind. So we'll go with it. Oh man. Nice. Hey, what you got? Anything else? Uh one more from Brighton. This is this could be a hot topic, but Okay. Um which ROM2 colorway is the best ever and why is it any of the white colors? <laughs> so that's a Nike ROM2 people are very passionate about their shoes. Yes, they are. And I will say the ROM twos are not the good color colorways. Mm. So a lot of people don't know that there actually is a ROM one, Romaleo one that looks the exact same, except for a couple little stuff that you wouldn't really notice by looking at it. If it didn't say ROM Romaleo on it and not ROM two. Right. Uh, it was a heavier shoe. It was a little bit bulkier, 
but the colors were amazing. There's a a silver color with the the volt heel that's great. There's a navy with the gold. That was the Beijing edition. Oh, I nice. used to have that pair, yeah. but I I ordered them not knowing they were coming from England and they were the European size, so they didn't <laughs> fit me. I feel like you've done this a couple times. I have. Okay. There's a all black with the little swoosh on the inside is red and the heel is red, Ooh, like bright red. I like that. There's a, another Chinese edition that's the bright red, like the crimson one, but with gold heel. And then there's a white with navy straps and a gold heel and gold swoosh. And those ones, I think, are the best colorways. Yeah. I mean, you showed me those uh, at the you know, little pre-show there. And, man, those are some colors I've come across every now and then. But, like, I didn't know they were ROM ones. And they, you're right. They are the best colorways. Now, I, I have a soft spot or not even a soft spot. I'm, I, you know, me, I'm looking for the pinks <laughs> yep. and, and here's what's good. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get the pinks one day. I'm going to wear them and then I'm going to be like, okay, what's my next shoe? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, I just, I, my attention span when it comes to this stuff is like, okay, cool. And now I actually have it in my hand. I'm going to use it for a little bit and then I'm going to look for the, what the, the better colorway or the better shoe or whatever. Ah, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, it's an ongoing thing with me until the point where <laughs> I have a couple of people around here that will lift with me and they'll walk in and they'll be like, Oh, I like your wall of shoes that you don't use. And I'm like, shut up. I get, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I know I get it, but yeah, um, I always wanted the, the bright red ones, the yeah. all red, like yeah. not the, not the maroon ones, but right. the red, red. And I ended up getting them probably two or three years ago, and they are the shoe that I love wearing, but it's not the shoe that I wear all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that's that's how the pinks will be too. Um, I, you know, I like specific shoes. It's weird because like I, I like the Adidas to actually snatch in, but um, I like the look and the feel of the Rom twos better. Um, I haven't put ROM ones on my on my feet, and then all the other ROMs kind of suck. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I th- you're going to get pink for me on that one, but uh, oh, shoes, <laughs> they're they're my nemesis, man. I, I I you should see my closet. I have too many shoes. I, it's just it's ridiculous. And I've seen all of your weightlifting shoes. I know you're in the same boat here. <laughs> yeah, but I've been pretty good about not buying any. I, I, I did get a pair of the Antas, the mm-hmm. white and teal. Yep. Uh, I got them from my buddy who he bought them and he didn't like them. He, he didn't like how they sounded when he hit the platform, like when his heel would thud. It does have a different sound, which yeah. is a little – I mean, I don't, I don't care, but I was like, oh, okay, moving yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm a nine in weightlifting shoes, and Anta doesn't have a nine. It's either eight and a half or nine and a half. I like so the they are they are a little bit big. I do like them, but they're probably fourth on my list of shoes that I'll wear. Okay. Okay. But I keep them in my garage, and I don't keep my other shoes. My I I have my personal car. I keep my bag that has all of my weightlifting stuff in it that I always take to the gym. Mm-hmm. In my truck, I have a second pair of shoes just in case I end up not coming home first. Nice. And then. In my garage, I have a pair of the the Reeboks and the Antas that are always just ready to go for squatting. Nice. 
So I don't know if we've actually had this conversation, but now you said the, those answers are a fourth on your list. What is number one on your list or does that change? It changes based on what I'm doing. Okay. So if I'm getting in, if I'm getting, let's just say serious about weightlifting, <laughs> like if I'm getting ready for competition, the shoes I'm wearing right now are the power perfects. Okay. Uh, if I am wearing those, then I am actually much more serious about what's going on. I have a goal. I have intent. I have a plan. These are like my com- competing shoes. If you see in my, me and my Rombleos or my Adidas or anything like that, I'm just having fun. Nice. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm not going to be as lifting as heavy in those, but right. it means I don't have a, I don't have a purpose right now. Okay. I like that. I, I definitely have uh, two pairs that I will only squat in. And I don't know. It's because they're like, they're comfortable to wear as shoes. And so like, I, you know, one of them is the, uh, uh, the TYRs and the other one is the pair of Adidas Lestrongs. I think that's how you say mm-hmm. that. Um, but those Adidas Lestrongs, they are, they're, they're all black with, with the gold stripes on them. And I love, they're comfortable and they look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just like wearing these. I'm like, I want to wear these outside, but so I squat in them and it, and it feels good. And, um, I mean, I'll, I'm not going to like change my shoes in the middle of a session, but if all I'm doing is squatting, I'm probably wearing a pair of those. So, yeah, those, the first generation, which I think that's what you've got. They're nylon, yeah. not cotton. Yeah. 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 Uh, that shoe I rank that one with the ROM twos. Like it's an extremely well built shoe. I wish it didn't have the boa. Yeah. I wish it was just laces because I think it's kind of funky. Yep. But that's a a very good, sturdy, hard shoe. Then they got cheap and they switched it to cotton and they only last about a year. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, The boa, it, it just reminds me of snowboarding because I hated, I hated the boots that had them. I always liked it to string my own boots to, so I could get it at the, <laughs> at the tightness that I like. But like, and then they started coming out with those. And this is where I'm really going to show my age. They started coming out with those. And I started making fun of those snowboarders that had them. Um, but then I put a pair on. I was like, oh, these are all cool. They're, they're fine. <laughs> but uh, they're real comfortable. Yeah, too. they are totally comfortable. So, but yeah, I, like I said, I just squat in those. I don't, I don't do anything else. And then I have a couple pairs that are just like, they don't fit me because I bought them at the wrong size. And so I just look for people to give shoes away to. Like if I have a lifter yeah. come in my gym, I'm like, what size shoe do you wear? They're looking at me like, why? And I'm like, cause I, I'm going to give you a pair. I got feet. <laughs> cause you just, I'm into feet. Yeah. <laughs> cause you just walked in here with no bowls on. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you can walk away. Yes. <laughs> I want to, I want to help you out a little bit. Uh, let's see. <laughs> this is my wife. I think that's all my, I think I got all my questions. Yeah. I got one question and my, and of, you know, my wife had to interject something. Um, she says, what is, the, what is the weirdest thing you secretly do daily? And if we tell you, it's not going to be a secret anymore. <laughs> <But> <laughs> okay. I'll go for, I, I I'll go because there's, this is something I do and I don't think it's very weird at all, actually. Um, but every night, about, I think it's about nine fifteen ish. I will go into the kitchen. I will pour myself a full pint glass of milk. I'll get the cookie jar down and I'll dip my cookies in there. And I will purposely not 
like I'll dip them in and eat the cookies and I purposely will not drink the milk until I've hit my last cookie and then I pound the whole glass of milk <laughs> and I'm like gul, gul, and like I'm drinking and, and she hears me gulping and so she's like she hates it and then and my kids make fun of me but I sit in the same spot in the kitchen every night and it's just like <laughs> it's yeah it's something I do that's all <laughs> no I like that yeah I don't really have something I can think of so if you've never seen me, I don't have any hair on top of my head. <laughs> this is true. I have multiple uh, bulldog head shavers, and I keep one in the car, and I shave my head in the car every day. Now, Sometimes multiple <laughs> times a day. I also keep floss in the car, and I floss my teeth multiple times a day. Like my, my car is like my bathroom. Yeah. Now, it's funny you say that because – I think it was maybe the second or third time I had like been hanging out with you and it, we were in a group setting. So it wasn't like we were just hanging out, but I saw you get out of your beautiful charger, by the way, I'll, I'll never forget the look of that car. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, and you get out and you had that bulldog in your hand and you're walking into the venue, like shaving your head. And I'm like watching <laughs> you and I'm like, this is amazing right now. <laughs> Cause I always wonder, like it's always perfectly shaven. And now I get yeah. it. Yeah. One of my buddies got it for me for Christmas, and now I have two additional. Nice. Nice. If you get the one for the car, though, make sure that it has the battery percentage. Because oh. I got one that didn't have the battery percentage, and then it would die, and my head would be half shaved. And I was like, <laughs> this is not good. So I actually have a charger in the car as well. Solid. All right. Well, uh that was a good Q and a show. Um, one of these days I want to do a live show, so I got to figure, okay. I got to figure that out and, uh, we'll, you know, make sure and, you know, push it out so everybody knows, but yeah, we'll try a live show. I've never done it. I thought a Q and a would be a, a good reason to go live so people could hear their stuff live and comment and all that stuff. But yeah. All right, man. Well, cool. great show. Um, you got anything, any last words or anything like that? Uh, we talked with one of our other friends about how to cook different ways of cooking gnocchi. And oh. I did that today. Okay. I basically just fried the whole thing in butter nice, and salt and pepper. And actually, so here, since this is kind of a little bit about cooking. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> not, not necessarily today. Right. I, I made some chicken tenderloins. Okay. And I fried them in the butter with salt and pepper. And there was still about a half inch of butter left in there. So then I added a little bit more butter and I cooked the gnocchi in that. And they got real crispy on the outside and chewy on the inside. Nice. And then I removed all of that. And then I threw broccoli in that same buttered pan. And I just quick kind of cooked that and it was delicious. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> now, so you said salt, pepper, butter. Um yeah. Did it and it got the crisp and it was nice and fluffy yep. on the inside. Yep. Ah, yep. that's perfect. <laughs> See, that, it, it was like finger food because you didn't even, I didn't have a sauce or anything on right. it and I could literally just pick everything up by hand and eat it. Right. See, and, I, and we've talked about this. So traditionally, um, I grew up making every, every Christmas, uh, this is what we would do. Our, it would be a family event. We had a, like a, a nine foot like kitchen table. And we'd all be out there like rolling out the, the dough and cutting it. And we would drop it into this sauce that we cooked for 24 hours. And 
and you knew, you know, you knew they were ready when they started floating because they're, they're bombs. They sink to the bottom and once they float, they're ready to go. And so Naoki used to be like one of those things for me that was like really close to my heart. And I thought there was only one way to do it. And then I found out about the pan fry and I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. And so, um, the other day when we were talking about, it, I was like, just pan fry them in butter because the, I mean, it's potato flour and what, what better do we want to put on their butter? You want to take yeah. it a next step, add a little bit of milk, make a cream sauce, throw some herbs in there, some garlic. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I liked what you did with that, the little finger food. Yeah. That's cool. That's I, I, I got to get in on that right now because <laughs> the gnocchi talk, we've been talking a lot about gnocchi the past couple of weeks, and it's been, it's been really good. That's why when I was at the store and I saw it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to grab a couple of these. Yep. That looks like that's coming. That, that has to come. Um, all right. Well, uh, now you made me hungry. I'm going to have to go. It's almost 9.15, so I got to go get my cookies. Yeah, I was going to say you got 11 minutes yeah. for your cookies. <laughs> cookie, cookie time. <laughs> all right. Cornell, awesome show. Uh, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Great conversation. Hope you have a good night. Thanks for listening, everybody. And, yeah, that's it. Adios. Adios.